Back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, and you've joined myself, Carmelina, John, and Sakile as together we young adults seek the face of Christ restlessly in the midst of this crazy and mixed up world. So, after we recorded uh, a former prior episode with these uh, three, we were standing outside in the parking lot talking. And when John Mitty gets excited about something, mm-hmm. he gets excited about it. And we were talking <laughs> about evangelization in the Catholic Church. And he just started going off about how the, the church needs to start evangelizing. It was starting to stir up in my heart, like the Holy Spirit, like, yes, amen, amen. So let's talk about evangelization. How can the church do it better? Is the church doing it at all, you know? Mm. From your perspective, John, I mean, what? Woo! <laughs> giving John Mitty a moment to speak, huh? <laughs> I mean, there's so much to talk about. In reality... You know, I know that the church is being attacked from left to right. You know, think about during World War II in which the British was being attacked by the Nazis. There's air raids every single day. So those that were in the middle of it really had uh, less options. They really couldn't do much. Those in the outskirts were the ones that really could do a lot more to try to combat against the the um, air raids. And so... That's how I look at it with the church too, right? It's like, I know the church is trying, they're pushing, they're, you know, trying to um, evangelize, but then, you know, we as a community of young adults, as parents now have to get more involved too. And so let's talk about even like, uh, how do we do that? First step is getting more people to the church, right? We need to get more families to the church. The foundation of the church is the community, the families themselves. Amen. You know, everybody is always like, oh, the priest has to do this. The priest has to do that. The priest is, the is you know, he's part of it, but it's the families that got to move the church and bring more people together. But, oh, how do you get the families to the church? Oh, good question. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I have all these great ideas that I've talked to Father about, you know, and I, I definitely want to... Um, I'll start with a few things and then, you know, I, I encourage everybody else to kind of think about it as well, ask the priest, and then also get the ball rolling because, you know, talk is one thing, but action is another. Right. And so um, one is the outreach, right? Um, you know, Father, I know there's going to be a good question that you're going to ask is, you know, the church mission-driven or maintenance, right? And so um, to answer that is more of like a there's a component of the church in which there's a lot of maintenance happening. We're just trying to keep alive. Again, as I mentioned before, World War II, the lots of attack happening all at once. So you're trying to combat pro-life. You know, we're trying to make sure that everybody's pro-life and not pro-choice because in the end, you know, that's life that we're we're cherishing. But at the same time, it's people that are getting away from the church, becoming atheists. And then there's another group of people who are falling away because of social media. You know, there's so many things to combat. There's also um, people maybe join different religions because they are they don't know what to do. So we have to do better job with outreaching. Um, even having the priest and someone else in the church who's willing to spend a full-time effort in going out in the community and kind of um, doing different events, uh, such as, for example, C4C is a group that we lead, um, Crossroad for Christ, which is a young adult community, started in um, Connecticut, Columbia, to be exact. This group, all right, started because um, John Paul, I mean, uh, sorry, um, St. Francis actually came down to Pennsylvania, and this uh, small group of 
four folks went down and was motivated by what um, uh, our Pope said to them. And through this, it started this um, group, you know, motivated to do what John Paul had with, you know, practicing and preaching, you know, intellectual, human relationship, and also um, understand the spirituality and getting close to God. Now, this group started as four. Guess what it is now? Over 400 members within several years um, because of, you know, the Pope speaking. Now, think about that. So, you know, you have some great priests that are speaking at the church. You know, take even one thing from it and grow it out. You know, try to motivate one another, create events, you know. And so that's one thing. Events is a big thing that um, has gotten a lot of folks to um, come back to learn more about God. I know there's folks that are very, um, you know, they don't know much and they were trying to, they are fiending for knowledge and love. But be, be you know what? The, well, part of the success of C4C is the community. Mm, amen. Because a lot of young people, a lot of young adults are kind of lonely, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. lost. Yep. Yeah. Well, always searching for something. And I think especially as young adults, it's like the pivotal moment where you kind of, uh, trying to be an adult, but you're not quite figuring that out yet. And and so there's a lot of formation that's happening in your life. And so we're constantly searching for something. And I think that deeper searching, if we haven't found God, there'll always be this, well, for me, I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody else, but I think even for myself, my conversion story was, I just felt like there was this deep yearning mm. for something and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And, you know, thanks be to God, my parents were just on my back about God and, and church all the time. Did you go to church this Sunday? And it's like, no, mom, you know, I don't go to church. So just them, I think, um, building that example. And I think it goes back to family. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, um, I'm like one of those cradle Catholics, born Catholic, <laughs> grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school. I was taught by Dominican sisters and so that was my foundation and by the time I was in college and I had this this deep yearning and I didn't know where else to turn my big answer was I think you're missing God in your life you know everything else was going great I had great friends I had a great college experience I had a great boyfriend at the time I thought he was a great boyfriend but still something was missing I wasn't happy I was happy on the surface but when I go to bed at night, I think, Father Joe, you mentioned there was just a loneliness that I felt. And that's one thing that pulled me back and and started and kickstarted my conversion story. But it's like more um, coming back home, to mm-hmm. say, because I was born and baptized Catholic. So it was more homecoming for me. But I think the family, my parents, and just raising us in that environment we may have hated it at the time as as kids and being dragged to mass every Sunday, but I think that's the example that they set. And yeah. there was a lot that happened during those times. And I think the Holy Spirit was just working. And by the time I became a young adult, I just had this fire in me I didn't even know existed. So yeah, C4C has just ignited that fire again. When I moved here, that's one of the first communities I, I, I joined because... Mm-hmm. I was like, this is exact. I I wanted to be with people whose hearts were on fire for God and the C four C community. If there's a group of people you would think have their eyes on Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, that's them. Now so. let me ask a point of question. 
because you're talking about outreach. Mm-hmm. How many people have you invited to go to church with you or to C4C with you or some other group? Many. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. You, being part of a community, you gain confidence that you can invite more people to this group because you're, you're loving it. You're like, wow, I love this group. I got to invite my like more friends. Like, Because the bigger this group is, the more opportunities there become. I mean, I've had people who joined the group who got married. Um, I had people who became priests through it, joined religious life, because it's a group that fosters um, the right mission to follow God's will, right? It's awesome. Yeah, the retreats for me, I think, when I started going to retreats, my first retreat was a C4C retreat. And I think the way they lived their faith motivated me to live my faith in the same way. I was a very passive Catholic, I would say. So that I think that question is more for me. These two sound like they're doing a phenomenal job with outreach. I think <laughs> I can do more because I do tend to lean more passive. I am very introverted. So just approaching someone is terrifying to me. But I well, will say, you, yeah. You brought your, your fiance I did. to RCIA. Did. I did. Which is a beautiful thing. I mean, that's a powerful thing, you know? Yeah. So I think that segues to, for me, I think we cannot hide behind, oh, I'm introverted. I don't like talking to people. I think it's more live your life um, according to your faith. Like if, if I say God is my number one, I need to live that. Mm. And so to me, even in dating, um, what's your relationship with God like is one of the first dating questions I ask on a first date. And most people are like, what? That's honestly what you ask? And to me, it's, it's absolutely. Because why would I go on five dates only to realize there is no relationship and there is no a yearning for that or there is no growth and development? Or I went on a date actually with somebody at that first date who told me he was atheist. Mm. And in that, it was a very interesting date because we, I got to ask why, you know, and his, <laughs> it's interesting because his name was Christian, which is oh, no. fascinating <laughs> in and of itself. But, you know, we <laughs> talked that whole night and I got to know the, the struggles and he came from a family that was actually Catholic mm. and he felt like, you know, growing up, he was failed by the church. And so to him, he just chose not to believe in anything. He was more, and I think at the end of that conversation, it was more like, I don't think you're atheist. I think you're more agnostic. And mm. I think there's a difference. Yeah. So mm. to me, a hundred percent live your faith. And that way it's a form of outreach. You may not be um, touching a hundred people a day, but I think just by living your life with God as your foundation People see that and they become attracted to that. And if if you're like to me with my fiance, for example, it was one of the things I said, well, if we're progressing in our relationship, these are some of the things that, you know, I think you need to start thinking seriously about. And, you know, he made his his own decision to say, well, maybe I need to learn a little bit more about my faith because he's Catholic, too. But I think with most uh, Catholics who are born into it, they don't really um practice it or it's like i think we we take it for granted when you're born into it you, sometimes you don't yeah. yeah you just you take it for granted you're like oh i'm baptized catholic but you don't really um i practicing your sacraments or like really participating in them so i think for him yeah. it was a journey that he's extremely proud of and i'm i'm proud of him too but yeah sherry waddell who's one of the great 
Catholic lay evangelists uh, nowadays, she had a great saying. She says, God has no grandchildren. Hmm. So in other words, like you have to choose to be a child of God. You can't just simply just be born into it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good have analogy. To, yeah, yes, you know, because as a grandchild, you're like, okay, well, my parents are disciples, so I'm good. Well, no, that you're not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, you're not. You have to choose it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you invite people, Carmelina, how, what has the response been? Uh, pretty positively. I mean, I think the most important thing before inviting someone is to form a relationship with them, mm-hmm. um, because I found that. It's even though I consider our friend group very normal and the community very normal, we still, you know, we talk about faith in a way that's not normal. Like I went to, not typical for secular society, I went to an event over the weekend with some friends and um, when it, it was a secular event, wasn't Catholic. There were some Catholics there, right? And my someone had mentioned they're going to start a Bible study because he knew my friend was Catholic. And I was talking to someone and she comes over and is like, Carm, we're joining a Bible study on Thursdays, which is normal for me. And I'm like, no, I don't have enough time. And the person I was talking to like went pale. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Like he was just like stunned, right? And we, I, her and I looked at each other. It was so noticeable. Like what, what just happened? Like all we said was Bible study, but like, it's not typical. We said the B word. We Tom. said the B word. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I know. I mean, and I realized in that moment, like we weren't, we were no longer in the Catholic circle. Like it's not normal for us to be talking about a Bible study. So forming that like relationship first and like Sakile saying is making it very clear, like where you stand, but also in like a gentle way. I think people are drawn into that because at the end of the day, and what I was thinking about is life is suffering, right? Life is suffering. And when we suffer, we need a reason for that suffering, right? And a lot of times like that's when people turn to God, right? So Mm. even if they're not with you in that moment, like you leading by example, something could happen in their life where they're like, I need something bigger. I see a joy in you that I don't understand. Let me go follow up with them because that's happened too, right? So that relationship is more important versus like, hey, come to this Bible study. And they're like an atheist, right? Like that might not (laughs) be the best way, right? It's more planting the seed, I think, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's, There's a time to evangelize strongly and there's a time just to plant a seed and you just never know how that seed is going to grow in the future. Yeah. I love that you mentioned mm-hmm. that because outreach is being very strategic, right? Yes. You can't just use the same method for everybody. Right. Very important. Need an EQ, high EQ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so for those that are interested to even help the church, you know, be understanding of the different cultures, the different personalities that are out there because, you know, one person may be very fired up to join you because, okay, I'm looking for a Catholic community. Another person's like, eh, buddy, I haven't been to church in a while. I don't know what you're talking about. So you say, hey, let's go out to the bar and meet up. See, mm-hmm. first he has done that, you know, which is cool. Right. I mean, Catholics drink too, right? We've had wine, <laughs> oh, yeah. wine, divine, you know, we've had some- Women, wine, divine. divine. Yeah, Women, wine, know? divine. <laughs> we've had ballroom events. We've had dance parties. That's a, We're fun. You know, we're fun. Like, you have a good time. You know, it, it's not, on, you know, um, and so that's important to know too, right? It's- outreach is meeting people where they are so then they can learn through the love that you provide that you know what i want to join this kid you know we've gotten a lot of people through that and when it comes to the church right how do the church do do more outreach we can do things like you know what after mass hang out drink some coffee and have people meet each other that's critical Mm -hmm. we used to have that at saint john's a coffee hour or a coffee something after mass covid Ah. COVID happened. COVID no, ruined but everything. It did ruin everything. 
But my, my new parish of St. Jude's has that at least once a month, which has been great. I, I've been there for about, this will be my fourth weekend coming up, and we've had two, week, two of those weekends has been coffee afterwards, which has been great to get to know people. Wow. It's been so. a month? Yeah, it's been That's a month there St. Jude's, yeah. I mean, wow. though, Father, you do have a talent. Like, one yeah, of the too. blessings, and I encourage all priests who's ever listening to this, one of Father's strengths is after Mass, he would wait outside and make sure he meets everyone, says his name, how are you mm. doing, introduces himself. Because eventually, you know, he'll get a free meal and then he'll have a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, actually priest, really why I do it. I'm like, when are they going to invite me? Right? <laughs> no, but priests love good meals. Please, people, like, invite the priest to your house. You'd be surprised the good souls that they have. They're not just, you know, fathers for us. They're also uh, human beings that have great personalities. They have a good story that brings them to the church. Some people, you may be surprised, like, they come from a background that you would never expect. Mm-hmm. So they're humble people, too. So never think that the priest is too um, high for you to hang out with. Definitely. That was a blessing for me and my wife. Like we got to hang out with Father Joseph who changed our lives. We learned a lot about him. He hikes. He He's done some great adventures, done some great things to the, yeah, the young adults. We've played Ultimate Frisbee together. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> led to John going to the hospital. Oh, my. Oh, that, <laughs> that's a whole other story. You know, Father's a bit rough at times. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're still friends it's all good yeah, yeah exactly yeah but, you know so outreach you know it's, you know it's funny i've often thought like why does god make us eat three times a day you know he could make us like you know snakes which eat like once a month but i think yeah. food is such an opportunity for evangelization i mean think of it you got three opportunities a day mm. to sit down with somebody over something that you both enjoy mm. and talk to them about some deep stuff Right. Yeah. Amen. So yeah, I mean, have priests over. I've, I've, some of the best evangelization I have done has been around a dinner table and have your friends over for dinner. Yeah. You know, especially if you're a young adult. A lot of times, I don't know. Some do you guys? You guys ever throw like uh, like dinner parties? Yes. Do you ever? Really? Just had one. Nice. <laughs> yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and invite invite like a good mix of like your Catholic friends and your non-Catholic friends so that you can have some really wild. John Mitty was oh. very good at that. Yeah. That's how we actually met. Hmm. He, he threw a party, but it was like, it wasn't a Catholic party. Oh, definitely just, not. It was just, <laughs> just a party and a lot of Catholic people showed yeah. up. I had my boys from college. You know, we have a mixture. It's very important to bring a diverse group of people together because yeah. yeah. people learn from each other. It's true. And we yeah. had a good time. I, I made, I made uh, a handful of my best friends at that on that night. Mm, that's like beautiful. People I actually call, if I have a problem in Stanford, the people I call for help were at John's house that day. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And also, too, um, with the parties, you know, it's important to make sure that there's a moment of prayer. That really has helped as well. Mm. At every one of my parties, I make sure that there's a prayer moment. You know, even if it's like, yo, thank you, God, you know, I have all these friends here. Uh, before we eat, you know, we praise him for the moment that we get to share. Mm-hmm. And so we've had that. And then also bonfires. So it's not only the parties with the drinking and the music, but you can have some good bonfires. So we've had Father Joseph um, go to the House of the Ninos, who's an Argentine family of 11 kids, uh, truly a blessing to this community. And Father has done adoration in the back, uh, in bonfire adoration in the backyard of a community. Priest, that's a beautiful ticket to bringing the community together. Trust me, it's brought so many more young adults to the church that you can never believe because who doesn't like a bonfire? Yeah. If you're in yeah. Texas listening to this, I know y'all love bonfire. <laughs> so definitely priests, go to those bonfire events and just preach. <laughs> well, you know, that's one thing that's just been on my heart as a priest is to, to get the church out of the church. 
mm-hmm. out of the church building, you know, and just to do right. stuff at people's houses, to do stuff at public parks. I mean, you know, we we had this uh, young adult sports uh, league a couple summers ago before COVID, and uh, you know, just the more opportunities you can have for people in a setting that's not necessarily religious. Yeah. Because then you can invite your friends. Because there's some people that just are like, I'm not coming to a church for this. All right, we'll come to my apartment. And we'll do the Bible study there, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little yeah. more, less non, more non-threatening. Something else that's important to remember in outreach is like the importance of the individual, right? It's not always about quantity, you know? Mm. I was, I had the, you know, great pleasure of visiting my nun friends this past week. And the mother superior was sharing a really beautiful story where she's just lived this incredibly holy life. I mean, it's just, it's the story of a saint, right? And um, she's done so many incredible things, like arguably there have been miracles like work through her. And she was sharing with us this story over dinner where there was a man, he has two children under the age of 10, and he was dying of brain cancer. Oh my God. And she, they refused, like, both he and his wife refused to have um, a priest come in. They were both Catholic, never stopped going to mass and everything. And finally, someone, a mutual friend, texted Mother Superior and said, please come over. He's not doing well. So she dropped, she had a very busy day, dropped everything, went over there, and he wasn't able to receive communion. So his children received it for him. Um, and, you know, she'd spent time with the children, you know, blessed him with holy water. Obviously, she can't give him last rites, but she was just there. The whole family was there, um, and she'd never met this man, and he ended up dying that night. Hmm. And she had shared with us, she said it was, that was one of those moments where if God, if God called me home tomorrow, I would have lived for that one moment. Mm-hmm. Like, if that was mm-hmm. the one reason why regardless of me founding this community and everything else that has happened in my life, if that was the one thing that God had me do on this earth was to bring Jesus to him in that family on his deathbed, I would be happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it just reminded me like of the importance of, of the one, right? Yeah. That individual, because Jesus leaves the 99 to come back mm-hmm. for the one, yeah. right? Amen. right? And I think we both, we all see that like if we've had conversion stories, right? Um, and then also we see like, you know, Sakile is like, I'm super introverted, but, you know, she brought her fiance to the faith. I mean, that's huge. And it's the one. And that's one of the... It's yeah. risking love because right. you could have said, no, thank you. That's not how I live my life. And, you know, I loved this man. And so sometimes you have to risk it all yeah. for for God. Right. And you pour your heart and soul into that one. Yeah. And so it's not always about, but sometimes God gives us individuals, not just a qu- quantity of people. Yeah. 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 Never give up. And always remember too, do you own, do you want to be the only one going to heaven or you want to bring mm. your friends with you? Right. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's right. important. So that's, Amen. that's very profound, actually. Mm-hmm. Very, very when, profound. Because I think there's a lot of us walking around trying to save ourselves. And you have to ask yourself when you get there. Who's going to be there with you? Oof, amen. So. Yeah. Like even when I um, proposed to my wife, I said, my ultimate mission is to bring you to heaven. Mm. You know? Beautiful. And That's beautiful. With you going to heaven, I'm going to try to bring as many people as possible <laughs> to it, so we can maintain that party life. <laughs> you know, another... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering how you're going to be when you give birth to that first child. Oh, oh, you're still going to have parties? <laughs> Yo, it's going to be like Lion King, man. Oh, you know, all the animals surrounding <laughs> that baby's going to be in the air. Uh, <laughs> 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 Love it. Love it. 
that's so funny. So what other ideas have you got? Because we got uh, outreach. You yeah, know? yeah. So we've done the outreach. Just a reminder, there's social media too with the outreach. So it's very important to, you know, meet people where they are at Facebook, Twitter. So the churches can do some outreach there. Even, even the podcast, which Father's been doing, which has been a blessing to this community. And then there's also the meals, you know, um, making sure that people attend after mass, get together, um, have dinner with the priests or having parties together um, late at night, different activities. Another piece too, because we're talking about community, right, is um, also the music, you know, kind of meeting people at their um, their level. So something I've even had conversation with Father on is like, you know, there should be a moment of solemn time, solemn mass, and then some music in which people can relate to. So it doesn't have to happen at mass, but then there's moments of adoration, right? That many of you, who knows if everyone who is listening to this know about adoration, but adoration is one of the most peaceful moments that you can have um, in, a, in your lifetime. You know, it's a time when the Eucharist is present and our Lord is speaking through you. And there's a moment where there's music playing in the background. Um, and, you know, so I definitely encourage every community to have adoration on a weekly basis because that time sometimes is the moment where people can escape the earth. Just pray. Even if you've never done it before, just go. Listen to music or listen to silence because that sometimes the Lord gives you the, the signals that you need to pursue that mission that the God ha that the Lord has for you. Amen. So that's something big too. So every priest, you know, if you've had, you know, a moment where you can produce adoration at your church, once a month at the minimum, you know, and that's going to help the community too. Even if people don't show up in the beginning, hey, again, at those dinner parties that you attend, you know, bring um, invite folks over. If it's too silent, maybe have once in a while, have some music playing in the background. That will attract people too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one thing, going back to the maintenance versus um, evangelization theory is I do appreciate the maintenance part of the church. I think both can exist because I find that going back to living out your faith, um, I know my fiancé and I, for example, when we go on vacation we and we're not in our we're not in Stanford or we've traveled wherever, the one thing we make sure we do is it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what part of the world we are. We make sure on a Sunday we go to mass. And so that's part of the maintenance structures that I think the church affords us is it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in, the mass is still the mass. And, you know, it's easy to find our churches. It's easy. And so I think um, <clears throat> that's one thing that I, I absolutely love when it comes to that maintenance bit is you can walk into any church and your home yeah um so to speak um i remember even being in germany and and going i thought i thought i'd found an english speaking mass it was not but oh, no. you know because i know the order of the mass i kind of knew what was going on even though i don't speak german so you know, it's I one form of uh evangelizing and i think both of what you guys are saying is is so true in that you know, um, the mass, I think, is the worship of disciples, people that are serious about the faith. And adoration is the doorway for those who are not yet disciples. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. You know, because I think, I really think, especially in the 20th century, 21st century, God has really raised up adoration again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of made it very prevalent in the life of the church because it's so different than what you experience on a daily basis. All of us have been to ceremonies where there's a lot of talking and music, similar to the mass. But very few of us have ever gone and sat in silence for an hour. 
Mm. There's just nowhere else in the world you do that. And so it's so different and so peaceful that it's, it jars somebody that's not a disciple. And they're like, what is going on here? There's something sacred. And we're looking at this piece of bread, either it's Jesus or this is a waste of time, right? <laughs> yeah. It kind of forces you to make that that choice, which a mass really doesn't, you know? A mass, you're like, okay, yeah. well, I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the homily. You know, it was very nice and everything. You don't have to necessarily believe. Yeah. Unless but, you have a good priest like Father Joseph, because those homilies mm-hmm. converted a lot That's of people. That's why I do, I do these podcasts, so I get compliments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but it's the truth. Your though. homily is a yeah. fire. You know, and it's... To if a priest, you know, I always say like if you're an introvert, you should always find a person that's an extrovert next to you so you complement each other, right? Mm. And so if a priest maybe doesn't have the um, the skill to produce the best homily, then it's okay that we, you know, that uh, there's a person in the community that kind of helps evangelize a lot more in the church, so then people are encouraged to be part of the community because in the end, you know, it's not people think oh. I, I, I don't like to go to church because the homily is not the best. No, you're not there for the homily. You're there to be with the Lord. You know, it's being Catholic is such a beautiful, beautiful blessing because you get the full truth and nothing but the truth, right? Mm. Because in the end, you know, the Eucharist is the foundation. God sacrificed himself to be there with you. So, yes, the, the priest provides a beautiful homily, but then after that, it's receiving the Eucharist is the completion, you know, and having that time to pray with the Lord. Amen. And, you know, so that's important too. Um, yes. So, so, so go out and invite. Go out and do outreach because you don't need a degree to do it. You don't need a, a, a mandate. You've been given the mandate if you're baptized and confirmed. Go out and bring people to Christ through your joy, through your community, through sharing a meal with them, through inviting them to just really encounter the, the, the joy and the peace that you have in your heart. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. God bless you.